Welcome to my gay playlist and stories from outside the closet. My name is Liv Lombardi and I am your host. This is a podcast about coming out and the music that inspires our journeys. To me, coming out is an act of honesty. It's something that we do every day when we decide to live our lives as authentically as possible. I think you can be on any part of the LGBTQ spectrum and come out. You could be straight and come out. As long as at some point in your life you decide you want to live authentically and that goes against the grain. Where are my dreamers at? Where are my freaks and geeks and weirdos and losers and nerds? If you were ever told you don't have a place here, I'm saying this table is set for you. So take a seat and tell me about it. And we'll start with this. What are your stories and what are your songs? If you want to follow along and listen to each guest's particular gay playlist as you stream our episodes, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you'll find each episode's corresponding song list. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of My Gay Playlist. My name is Liv Lombardi and I am your host. This week, I'm really psyched to have on Emily Hurd, a singer-songwriter based out of Rockford, Illinois. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here at, sitting here at my restaurant and getting to talk to you, so things are pretty great. Yeah, so Emily, I should say, is not only an amazing instrumentalist, your main instrument is the piano, right? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she also is a restaurateur. So fancy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want to explain a little bit about your place and, and what it means to you and, and our community? I love it. I've always wanted to have a, a gathering place. It didn't really always matter to me what it was as long as it felt like something that was a hub in the community. So we created this brunch pub called the Norwegian and so far so good. COVID hit. That was weird. And you guys are making it through with all of the twists and turns it. of the last year. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. I mean, one one day at a time. For a while there, it was a little touch and go, <laughs> a little concern. I can only imagine. We kept pivoting, uh, trying something new. And, you know, um, I've heard different people tell you, you don't really need a lot of fans as a musician to make it. You just need like about 100 people who will bleed for you and you can make it. And I'd say that's the same for just about any independent business. The restaurant's no different. I think we had the same 100 people coming in here through the winter. We pivoted the restaurant into a market to try to make it with, with indoor dining closed. And those same 100 people, man, I know they don't like our raspberry jam that much, but they just kept <laughs> coming back in, trying to trying to keep us alive. And, uh, you know, grateful grateful for the community we invested in them and they and they really gave back to us during covid so it's it's reciprocal yeah and you know what i love so much about stepping into your place is whether it's eating or you know having a coffee or a, a beverage another type of beverage or playing music it's always felt very warm and welcoming and like this little vessel of loving kindness and as cheesy as that might sound like it's a it's a reciprocation i think of the work that you put into it like when people step in, they feel that. Uh, so I love that it's here. And I love that I also live like four blocks away. So we can come by whenever we want. Well, it's good, yeah. for, good for all of us to have each other to lean on right now. And that means a lot that you feel that way. Man, we all need that hippy dippy stuff. What else are we doing here? This is work. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. I, I, I'm just over being cool anymore. <laughs> really- well, you know what? I think this is a perfect segue to... Um, to getting into like the meat and bones of this show and chatting with you today uh, because your playlist, I think defines how cool you are because it's just got this awesome vibe. And like I said, when we just started, like, I don't know you very well, though. I know we've had great chats. We've shared music together. I've played at your place. I've, you know, heard you play. I've listened to a bunch of your music now going through your playlist and then your discography on uh, Spotify and stuff. And like, you just got this cool vibe to this playlist. Um, and listening to it, I, I really thought, okay, so this is a person that is a dreamer and a lover, but there's like a, significant amount of pragmatism that goes behind all of those things. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's kind of what I was feeling from how the songs flowed. Um, and also what they spoke to even the, even the instrumental tracks there, we got, you know, we have some singer songwriters on here, like one of my favorites, um, 
Patty Griffin, there's your stuff, there's Phoebe Bridgers, and then there's like some Django Reinhardt, some Alan Toussaint. So like it, it, it all spoke to that in some way. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I was picking up. Yeah, I'm really glad that you saw something on the whole for that playlist because what I was really doing, this was a challenge for me. I felt like um, my imposter syndrome was very strong because I wanted to make sure that I was talking about being an ally without making it sound like I really understood a full struggle or um, what it must really be like to be a member of the LGBTQ community. This playlist, I'm glad that you saw a pervasive theme because what I was really trying to do when I put it together was think about what my moment of becoming very, the moment I decided no more, I'm going to be myself. And then basically chronologically put together the songs that moved me through that process, almost like they were part of my metamorphosis into becoming who I wanted to be for myself and for others and to be that ally that I wanted to be. So it was uh, trying to soundtrack my personal growth and, and um, revelations. And that's what those, that's what those tunes were. So. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the actual playlist and, and the songs and what they mean to you, I mean, I think that it's awesome that you brought up that point when we uh, first connected about having you on, there was a, Really, I just was so touched by your phone call. Uh, we chatted about you, you came to me and said, can I be on this show? You know, I'm not queer. I'm married. I have kids. I'm straight woman. And like, what do I have to say to add to this conversation? And you know, when I started this podcast, one of the most important things for me was to stress the importance of every person's story. And if you've been through something in your own life, chances are, and, and you've struggled with it and you've had to overcome, chances are many, many other people have. And we talked about that. Like, you know, it's just as important to stand in the power of who you are as an ally as it is to be a trans person, a queer person, a gay person, however you identify. And, um, I'm just uh, another reason I'm so psyched to have you on the show, because as soon as we started talking about those things, uh, you started discussing time that you had spent, you know, earlier in your life in Nashville, trying to, I think, be a songwriter down there. Well, you were you are a songwriter working as a songwriter down there um, and a few other moments as well. So, you know, I can't stress enough, like we all we all struggle in some ways. And I think it's the it's the retelling of the story. And the intention behind the retelling of our stories that connects us. That's the universal, right? That's our, that's our shared humanity. Because we can all find something in other people's stories that we relate to. And how cool is it that now we have some songs to connect it to? I just love that. What's up, My Gay Playlist fam? I am so grateful that you are following us and listening to our first season. It's almost shocking to say that this is the second to last episode of our first season. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you stay in the know of when season two launches, which really won't be too long. Now, back to the tunes. So yeah, before we waste before we waste any more time, let's get into this playlist. I I would love to start at the beginning, like most things most things do. The first track on your playlist is a original that you wrote it's called daytime fireflies and this is from one of your earlier albums like i said you've put out like 14 or something like that 17 17 records do you sleep have you ever slept uh, i just you know what it is live it's just <laughs> i am a super creep i'm a really big creep and i am obsessed with mortality i like think about it a lot i don't know what everyone else oh. thinks but i think this is our one shot and i just want to make sure i'm like leaving stuff good stuff behind i'm i just don't want to waste this but what is it about death is it something that you're scared of like if we could get real in like real intense here or is it like you're you don't want any regrets like are you scared to die oh my gosh we just got like into the therapy zone or are no, you scared no. or this is, is it there's no fear or are you just like passionate about carrying out all of the things that you love does that make sense yeah I Yep. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I, I, I was uh, as a kid. I am not afraid. I am so like, what if this is the last one? 
Did I say everything I needed to say? Did mm. I, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Did I leave mm-hmm. things all right with my kids? I mean, this has only been amplified since my father passed. But- so does daytime fireflies um, sort of key into that part of your heart? This like longing for all of the love and all of the passion and all of the life to be lived as authentically as possible. Is that, I mean, I know that's something I say a lot on the show, but it it seems natural to ask given what we've just been saying. So daytime fireflies. And the reason I wanted to kick off with that tune as like the, the process, that song, when that song came out, that was one of the ones that felt like it just fell from the sky. I like to believe like the song is like floating over my head and it's Mm. my job to like get it, on out in the world properly. Totally. I can relate to that. Definitely. And I can feel like I can feel when I'm trying to contrive a lyric instead of it being a natural one, like the song, I can feel when I'm fighting with the song and I'm trying to make it mine when it's like, no, no, don't do that to me. I, I already exist. You're, you're mishandling me. And daytime fireflies did that to me where it just came out. And I was also realizing the timing of that had happened shortly after I was trying so hard, was trying so hard to be relatable as a writer um, Mm -hmm. to other people, because that's what I thought I needed to be. I didn't even realize what that was doing to my soul to try to just be relatable instead of be truthful. And that yeah. song happened in the in the midst of Nashville trying to sell songs that were relatable, which, by the way, at the time were difficult because the people there that were, I was pitching to like the people selling to George Strait and they were like, oh, just write about burgers and parking lots. And I'm like, that's, that's not floating above my head. I don't have anything about burgers and parking lots up there, yeah. man. And, and, and out of all of that, uh, Daytime Fireflies came out and it's a song that I wrote about living authentically and that I wasn't. There's no stars and city lights, which of course we know there are, you just can't see them. And there's no daytime fireflies. We don't see them light up, which of course we know there are, we just don't see them. Um, and so it's all about what is actually present, but you're not seeing. Right. That song was really a kickoff for me because after that, things got a lot more honest for me. I'd stopped caring if I was relatable. I stopped caring if I was presenting well or right. Uh, if I was... Um, making everybody happy. Um, a, a lot just happened to me after that song happened. So that was why I, you know, said, yes, let's start the playlist playlist with this. But that was why that song I think happened to come out right at that moment. And of course the real truth is live. Like if I'm honest, I'm sure that's what's in the depths of my body and my, my guts wanted me to communicate this. But for some reason, if I think of it that way, I can't write, I have to believe it's not in there. <laughs> totally. I don't know it's, what the, the mind trick is. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to back up a bit. You went down to Nashville. How old were you when you were down there? Like you had, you had said you went to culinary school, but you're also a songwriter. Like what's a little bit of like chronology of. I went to, I went to Auburn high school in Rockford and then I went to Northwestern uh, in Evanston for a couple of years and school was easy or fine or whatever, but I wasn't happy. I'm really only happy if I'm using my hands. I noticed that about myself at that time. Anyway, I figured it out in the process, my poor parents and the money we, we put into that. And then, but I did love cooking. I don't know if my dad was super thrilled at the time, but I went, I went to culinary school out, out East. And then that was great. It was a good education. And then I was cooking as a pastry chef on Cape Cod and my dad got uh, skin cancer and started to kind of make me homesick. And I, I just wanted to be back in the Midwest. I moved back and I moved to Chicago and that's where I moved. basically had, had most of my, I guess, adult years in Chicago and I went to Columbia College in Chicago for um, music production because while I was out cooking, I couldn't stop playing the piano. So I thought, right. well, I, I don't want to miss this again, mortality. I don't want to miss the shot to you know, right. know more about this. So um, I had a job cooking at a restaurant called Milk and Honey, and I was going on division, and I was going to Columbia and um, got a degree in music business with a concentration in music production, which is silly. I'm a terrible music producer. Don't ever have me produce anything. I got that degree. And then I, and then I just tried to fuse the two. And then I just kept going back and forth between the two. I was teaching music. I was cooking out of my apartment, these like supper club things. And those two things just kind of kept following me around food and music, food and music. And then music took off for a long time. And I was really more into that. And then now since dad's passed, I still write every day. Mark, Mark, my husband knows I'm going to be at the piano a lot, but, um, food is pretty big. Now I'm running a restaurant and here we are with both again. So that was the trajectory. That's awesome. So did you find when you were in Nashville, like, and I have to ask because 
though I though I identify as non-binary and or genderqueer, I don't uh I am aware I am female bodied and that's not gonna change. And I I don't know if it's being a female in music or also a queer identified person. A lot of I've, you know, been in it for 10, 12 years now. It's a different experience for a female bodied person than a man. Without getting too much into the politics, was your experience in Nashville? I'm, I'm curious of that how that came up and and what that was like for you and how you navigated it. Does that make sense? Nashville was the same thing. My creepy death thing that I wanted. I didn't want to miss a chance to do the thing that they say, you know, see if you can make it in Nashville. Um, that's where all the songwriters are. And I want to preempt or disclaim I, I want to say every musician I met and I met a lot was great. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to earn it in Chicago. I had to prove how many gigs I'd played or who I opened for or whatever. And that's not, not to knock Chicago, but I, I mean, they made me work for it. Nashville. And I also lived in Denver for a short bit. Everyone's like, Oh, you play. You just want to want to just get up here and do it. They didn't know if I was good or who I was, but it, everyone just loves right. playing. So the musicians in Nashville were incredibly welcoming and part of what made me want to open a venue. Um, they were just so open. The people I was trying to sell to, which is their right because they were buyers of something they wanted specifically were not. And what I noticed myself doing as a female bodied person was playing their game. Mm. And it's a game. I can say that. It is a game and mm-hmm. you know exactly how polite you're supposed to be. You know exactly what you can, can get away with while your male counterparts can get away with something different. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the word that came out while um, Hillary Clinton was running the first time was that she was shrill. And I thought that was a really good word because you strong and loud are shrill while, you know, the other loud people in these song, these song pitch meetings that I was at were saying the same things, but being received completely differently. So you have to be right. better than your male bodied counterparts. You have to be able to manipulate your language better. You have to be able to bite your tongue better when it's, when you have to do, you have to know their game and operate above it. And it's exhausting. Um, I mm. will say in those meetings, it was exhausting trying so hard to be somebody that they took seriously for a female bodied person, not seriously for a writer. <laughs> right. Cause there's a difference for some reason there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I, but again, just to full circle it, my experience with the people there was not negative. I mean, I even just the people just going out to have a piece of pizza. I remember sitting down a nice guy sitting next to me, older guy looked like Colonel Sanders. I was like, Hey man, you want to chat? Who are you? He's like, oh, I'm Dwight Yoakam's bass player. I was like, ah, oh, wow. He's like, how, how's he? You know, I mean, it was just that people didn't have any air of anything. It was just a very nice experience minus everything I was trying to do there. Right. And it was, and yeah. So, so without like saying anything bad about an entire town, I will say that was where I decided to give up the, the game. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, Okay, let's take a quick break thinking, having this in our head, and then uh, I have so many questions to come back to. So we'll be right back. Just a reminder, if you're listening and you want to hear Emily's playlist that she curated for this episode in particular, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you can find every episode's corresponding song list. All right, we're back. So before our break, we were talking about your time in Nashville and... Uh, the game that you, in a sense, after you were playing it and experiencing it, you were like, I got to get out of here. And I'm curious, there's a few songs on your playlist that to me, I can relate maybe exactly to that. Um, the first would be Mad Mission, Patty Griffin. Love Patty Griffin so much. I've cried many an hour, hour to her music when I'm alone and need to just cry it out. And this song in particular, I love. Um, and I'm just going to read some of the lyrics here. It's a mad mission under difficult conditions. Not everyone makes it to the loving cup. It's a mad mission, but I got the ambition. Mad, mad mission. Sign me up. That those lines I think are so relatable on so many different levels with what you had just said about being in Nashville. Does that song 
speak to that part in, of your life or a, a different uh, different part in your life. For me, I listen to it and think like, you just got to love big, like sign me up. It seems crazy. Even when the world is telling you, you got to hate the things around you. That song right then, again, everything I put in kind of chronicle chronological order as to what it was doing to me when I write when I needed it to. And that song just spoke to me right when I needed it to. I mean, every songwriter in the well, most songwriters in the world, unless you're like, I don't know, somebody get P- Patty Griffin. That first record was such a revelation and she's inspiring to, I think a lot of us because she knew what she wanted her tunes to sound like. And people tried to produce her and she's like, I just kind of miss my tunes. Mm-hmm. Really? released her tunes and it, it you know it's so powerful just to hear her voice in the guitar but the lyrics of that are just that 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 chorus coming back and it's almost like she's not even she's not even mad about it she's not even yelling at you you know she's not like sign me up she's like yeah i'm in <laughs> yeah there's a gentleness to it that's surprising given the subject yeah. matter yeah that energy was so great. I have to tell you as a total aside, which you can cut out and post. Uh, my friend Maggie and I have seen her many times play. And if oh my you want to, I'm request, so jealous. Well, we're, we're older than you. So we, she used to tour and we used to follow her and you used to be able to request the song mad mission by throwing a pack of M&Ms on stage. MM mad mission. Oh my gosh. And I love that. Maggie has the distinction of when she was, we, uh, she stopped at a um, like a store to get a, a bag of M&Ms and they only had like the one pound bag, like a big thing of M&Ms. And she was playing on tour with Dar Williams and uh, she wanted to request this song and pitched this bag of M&Ms and smacked Dar, Dar Williams in the head with this one pound bag of M&Ms. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Did it take her out you- like completely? Like that's kind of a heavy load to... It says it's a heavy load, but it didn't take her out. But I did feel bad. Like, poor, poor woman. We weren't even requesting her song. Anyhow, um, I, I love that, that tune. And, and the, the, the chorus is what gets me every time. Um, and, and that was what I was using, sort of my order of my playlist. That was my, nope, I'm going to, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let this get me anymore. You know, there's a line in the Avengers movies, which sounds weird, but where Captain America is being told, like, you know, if if everyone is telling you, you know, you need to uproot and you need to leave and you need to do this and do what we want, you you know, I forget, I'm paraphrasing. Um, He says, no, even if you're all alone, you put your foot down and say, no, you should move. (laughs) You should move. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of did that same thing. Like, even if whatever the world is going, if you know something in your heart, you just nope, you move or yep, I'm in. Nope. What you're saying isn't going to matter to me. And, um, that's what that tune did. And I, I played it, I mean, just over and over. I, it was at that time I only had CDs and man, I mean, I, I bought her CD like three times cause I just trashed it in my car, you know? Yeah. Anyway. I, I loved, I loved those CDs and you know what, you know what, just a side note, a little more Patty Griffin love. Uh, I loved seeing her different generation. The first time I saw her play, uh, YouTube videos, uh, have not gotten to see her live. Uh, she's so small. You would think like she's got a powerhouse voice and it's coming out of someone who can't be more than five foot three inches tall. I mean, she has like some pipes and even like seeing her, uh, I think it was a tiny desk concert. I saw her play. I was like, I just want to be you. Like, how could I compress myself to be that powerful? I I'm a little obsessed with her in an, in a not so obvious way, but I dig her so much. Yeah. Yeah. What's really great too. when she does her shows is like, she's so kind. Somebody would be like, uh, some people would yell out these crazy things or like, why isn't that on a record? She's like, it is, it's on this one. Like you should see me at the merch table afterwards. You know, she was just very, <laughs> very um, humble. And I don't know. I, I just liked her. She seemed very unplussed about life. And yeah, I think we all, I don't know if she knows what a role model she is. I wonder sometimes if she knows while she's down there, I think she lives in Austin, just like just how many women are thinking that way about her. That's a lot of pressure. I'm sure if she really knew that like millions of women are yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So moving on here, the second song on your playlist, Blues Run the Game, originally written by Jackson C. Frank. I think, how did it, Simon and Garfunkel covered it, which maybe made it a little more mainstream, but I love, I love the original version because his voice is like, just so, I don't know. There's, well, it's all about longing to me. And 
just the tone and timbre of his voice singing in is, is perfectly matched for the subject matter. But I'm curious why this is on your playlist. There's a few other songs that kind of made me think like, what are the blues to you? And like, as a fan of the blues and what they speak to in my life. And when I go to them, uh, you know, whatever I'm listening to, it, it's always for a specific reason and often, if that makes sense. Uh, so I'm curious, like what this one's doing on your playlist. It's the second song as well. And, yeah. and, and what it, what it speaks to, what part of your life it speaks to. So I think I overthought your project live. And I've tried to do this in a very specific order. And so the reason this was on number two was because shortly after um, deciding to give up the game and listen to self or just not do, not do music for others or not write for others, I guess, because you still play music for others because you love to share in the moment with other people. Um, and you kind of have to, because if you don't, you don't know what else you would do, right? Right, exactly. What this song gave me, and I remember just loving this man's voice and his presence, and he just, you know, so so gentle, but still filled up the room. That song, I always loved it. I didn't even know Simon and Garfunkel covered it. That's great. This song is my permission and what I think that, I needed was like, I'm going to let myself roll around in like this in sadness. And I don't do that often. And I hadn't because I always wanted music to do something good for me. If that makes sense. Like I wanted music to be either healing or therapeutic or good to uplift you to uplift. And this song was, I don't think I could go through what I went through without allowing there to be some really sad moments. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Midwesterner that was raised to suck it up. And I think that music had inadvertently taken on at that tone. Mm, that's interesting to me as a not Midwesterner. I, I can relate now that I've been living here a little while as well. Yeah. We're, we really, really like to suck it up. Um, but that tune was like, no, I'm going to let myself really grieve what was and get really sad first, because I don't think you can properly suck it up until you've allowed yourself to like be what you feel, what you feel, you know, we, even oh, at the yeah. restaurant last year was a great example. I, we want people to obviously have a good time in here, but we don't start our days with a lie. You know, you start, you can start. I always say, how are you? And people will come in and it's like, Oh, it's a good day, man. I had a great bike ride here, whatever. And people, other staff members will come in and say, I'm miserable. Something terrible has happened and I'm going to do my best today, but I'm miserable. I, it, it is such a powerful thing to say that. And at that time I was young enough that I hadn't given myself that permission um, to really be honest in grief and sadness and blues and whatever. And that tune reminded me about permission or something. So you're saying like after leaving Nashville, I'm, if we're, you know, cause you said that it's kind of chronological the way you put the order of these songs, which I love not uh, the art of the order of the playlist is often overlooked nowadays. I'm just going to say that. So I, I have mad respect for the, the song order being important. So you're saying that when you left Nashville, there was, I mean, as any big change, a grieving process for you. And it was the first time you, you, you really let yourself sit in it, like let yeah. yourself feel it all. As my good friend would say, you got to feel it all live and then you got to yeah. move on. Which, you know, what made me think when you were talking about it, you said that music had, you had always approached it as a way to uplift and, and get you out of those things. And I think that sometimes music serves as the company you keep when you're feeling low. Does it not? It, it's the yeah. reminder, like, yeah, I'm here and I'm not the only one here. Even if it's just this voice calling out in the dark of mm -hmm. this, you know, of this man that has this wonderfully tender sounding deep voice or whatever the right. song might be, you know, it's the thing that keeps your company just long enough that you can walk away out of the room when you need to. Does yep. that make sense? Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly right. And boy, did that man keep me company. I listened to that song so many times um, in that process, but I, mm -hmm. I needed to, needed to, needed to, needed to roll around in it. Let your fingers get all pruny in the blues. Yeah. Um, 
before you can move, before you can, you know, move on. I've got a really good friend that always says that she's going to give herself seven days to grieve or I'm going to give myself this amount of time. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I've just started doing it. Like I'm going to give myself (laughs) some time (laughs) to be exactly miserable. Um, so that you don't miss that part of it. Otherwise you get all messed up in your head later. So, Oh yeah. And, and it's, it'll stay there. It'll come out in some weird funky other way when you least expect it. Usually at someone who doesn't deserve it. I think that's my experience mm-hmm. at least. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same. You know, the poor gas station attendant who gives you the wrong change and then you snap at them. Um, anyway, I'm not speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> We all have bad days. So uh, I'd love to chat a little bit about the sound of your tune, Killing On Me. I think might be my favorite song on your playlist, other than Mad Mission. I loved the line that you wrote in there. This is an original. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a little listen, and then we're going to chat about it. It's rich on the hearty stone. If silver linings line pockets with gold, if God makes a living on our disbelief, I know that He makes a killing on me. I love so hard. Some days The look of them stars That shine on your face The wind blowing so soft I can hear my mistakes A sweet Jesus You've made all With each breath that I take If God gets rich On the hearty stone If on me what's the line something something then god's making a killing on me it's like the hook part of the hook yeah so um if god makes a living on our disbelief i know that he makes a killing on me yo that's the best (laughs) thanks man again i i came to me actually i was sitting outside and i had taken a songwriting sabbatical last year in february to um colorado and i was sitting outside i'd rented a little one-room cabin it's awesome. I've, I've started doing this now in my, bless my husband watching the kids so I can go out and scream for a little bit because it feels good. I feel recharged. Like um, actually I, going and screaming? Yeah, actually going. So I, I just went to Mineral Point, Wisconsin and did it again. Um, so I rent a spot and I just let myself like scream sing on my piano, just bang. Because usually now, I mean, I, I'm relegated to whispers in the night because, you know, the kids sleeping. Because um, they're still young. They're, so, they're four and five. Yeah. I just okay, want to belt right. though, you know. Um, so anyway, I was out in in Colorado sitting in a, in a chair outside. I had some scotch and I'm sitting out there just like singing into the air and that song just like fell out. And I thought, Oh, I love that. That, cause I, what I was really feeling, I mean, it was, this was pre COVID right, right before COVID hit. But I mean, ever it was the year, the last, you know, bit of time, you've just thought the news was getting so bizarre and everything was just, I just couldn't believe anything. And I needed to be able to scream out into, (laughs) into the air just can't believe yeah. this. I just can't believe any of this. And I was like, well, and I, I kind of, I kind of had a well-played God, you know, <laughs> um, moment yeah. where I thought if, if you're up there and you're trying to like really shock, shock us all, if that's what's, that's what's going on. You're <laughs> success. And that's where, For I mean, I just, had, just having so many feelings, I had to say something like, ah. Oh. So, um, yeah, but I, but I like that track because it really is. And the reason I included it and didn't want to throw a bunch of my tunes in, but that song is what I sound like now, or get to, I get to say it that way that the song doesn't sell. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. that does, you don't pitch that to George Strait, you know, but it 
feels so me. That's the way I say things. That's the way the voice over my head puts things through. And I just really, I, I really like what, where I am now. And that was a good like indicator of what, you you know, the permission I get, I have given myself to be completely true. And that's, that song feels, um, feels like me now. And it, it, it doesn't make things feel good doesn't uplift but again just you just get to use music to be truthful about yourself and yeah you know i i i did i did make that distinction when i was listening to it uh because it is from the more the most recent uh album that you've put out and and the title as it is night night shades is that night shades. yeah it is a. It was going to be called Nocturnes for Nightshades, but then they got a little rougher in their production. I thought, oh, I'm not going to. This isn't very noc- nocturne. But the idea was, nightshades are a, a group of plants that uh, that bloom at night, and I really liked that because I felt as though there was a period of my life where I felt like I was retreating to the piano in the night and writing all of this stuff, and and also I thought it was, I thought it was a metaphor for people who found ways to to bloom in darkness. Yeah. I, I like, uh, it, it's a pretty rare thing. So for anybody else taking all of what had happened and how miserable uh, things had gotten into, especially in 2020, you know, if you can find, find light and find some way to grow through it. I, know, I like, I like the, the concept of a nightshade. That's amazing to me. This flowers that just open in the moon and they've, I don't know. I've, I've always liked that. Well, without any darkness, we can have light. And I think it, it keys in so much to what you were saying too about sitting in it in the beginning with Blues Run the Game. Also with this song, Killing On Me, the sound of your voice and what you were saying about this is how I sound now and this is who I am now. There is a distinction. I listened to it and thought, yeah, man, she's lived a lot more of her life. Like you've had some life lived in between, you know, this first track that you start with, also that you've written and Killing On Me. Like you said, you know, you, you moved a bunch, you experienced a lot, you learned some lessons, you learned how to sit in it, you had some kids and got married and ex- has experienced grief. And I definitely heard that in, in, if nothing else, the tone of your voice. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. I, Thank you. I love yeah. that. Yeah. No, t- totally. One of my favorite songs. So what are some other tracks on here that if we don't talk about, you're, you're going to feel like we, we missed out. I don't want you to feel the creepy, the creepiness that you described. <laughs> We're going to die. Yeah. Liv. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want you to feel like you missed out on something before the end of, before the end of our time together today. So what are some uh, standout ones for you? I love okay. the Phoebe Bridgers track on here, but also like all the other ones we haven't spoken about yet are amazing to me. So please. The book of love. I have to, I have to tell you that song. That's yeah. This song was, this song caught me off guard, but the lyrics just really, they got me. This person in a, in a less dramatic way did what Django and Grappelli did. I'm almost positive. This man is gay. Um, the lead singer untrained that feels so much with that deep voice and mm-hmm. I, again, am so empowered by him saying, no, this is my voice. This is what I have to say. And it is, he is so honest and he doesn't care about commercial, com- how commercial he can make his stuff sound. He doesn't care about the ear candy in it. He does what he wants to do. And I, as a person that can tend to be people pleasy or had had that in me for so long, and I will always have to work against it. Um, he was just so great. I felt like he just commanded, <laughs> commanded with, with his gentle, no, I'm not going to sound like anything you need me to be kind of that song. When I first heard that, I just, I couldn't stop listening. And part of my process is finding more people that I feel like aren't sheep. And that man is not a sheep. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, and plus it's, I, I really believe what he says about love. You know, it's a powerfully big, big zoom out view of love, um, which I love. I loved it because it, it kind of gave me a perspective of it that I had never let myself look through. I am like a romantic and think that love should either always be shiny and bright and wonderful or the strength that gets you, you know, that w- gets you through the darkest moments of the storm. And this is saying the book of love is long and boring and it's full of charts and facts and, you know, figures and then the gentleness, like you said, of like, but I love it when you read to me and you can read me anything. Um, yeah. I love it when you sing to me and you can sing me anything. I thought, huh, 
so much. Maybe it's because I'm married now also. Um, <laughs> I think that that experience has changed my perspective on taking love from this shiny, bright thing that you want to hold on to and, and, you know, keep close to you to this more uh, settling, calm force. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. And that's yep. not always fun. That could be boring, but at least it's there and it holds you yeah. and you feel placed. Yes. 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 Gosh, live. Yes. That is exactly how I felt. So Janice, one of the sad dead at 27 club, 27 club, RIP bisexual woman in the sixties writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if you read her story a little bit, um, she was with women and men. So I, who, who can say, but I at least, you know, I love that for her. I love that. So first of all, I should say my parents were extremely, um, not conservative and growing up in a very conservative town. Like I remember telling them, could you guys like maybe put those naked statues away? Cause my friends are coming over. <laughs> maybe, maybe not so many dirty limericks tonight, dad. You know, He goes to church. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. But I didn't at the time. I didn't know what I had, you know, but I remember they used to bust out in song. My first ever boy I brought over for dinner. I was a sophomore in high school and they bust out in this song. Like, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Your parents at the dinner table? Oh yeah. Oh, but this is what they did. This was pre, I mean, no phones. We didn't have, I mean, I didn't have internet until I was 21. So, I mean, it was what you did. They sang in the car. My parents were big car singers. And what this song really reminds me of is we can do this thing as writers. And I don't know if you do this where it's like you get lost in the production and the parts and the uh, manipulation of sound so much now, like it, we get so lost in how good we can put the reverb on our voice. And ooh. I really like this song because it strips its primal to me. Everyone's I think got their own primal, whatever that means in their culture or their family or wh- however they whatever that means to them. In my family, this is a very primal, this is a primal song. And it felt like, nope, you don't need anything. You can scream at a microphone, just you and them, and it can be enough. I mean, I think there, I mean, other songwriters have done it. Tori Amos, uh, Me and a Gun, I mean, b- big songs. But for me, this song was my family's like, what do you need? What more did you really need? Did you need to manipulate? No. Did you need the right track? No. You just needed that woman to say her truth in that healthy, wonderful voice she's got so um i just i just wanted to make sure i touched on it because i think we need to remember we don't always need all the things we think we need to be honest and communicate a message especially i've heard more people write me how do i make a record how can i make a record i don't have any money you don't need that much it just depends on how much you want how far you want to go down that hole you can scream in front of a microphone something really good as long as it's honest people it'll resonate you know with having you say that for you, what were those things that you realized you didn't need in life or in music or small lens or wide lens? What, what were some of those things for you? I realized a lot, a lot of things and I'm sure I have a lot more to go. I hope I have a lot more to go because I might die today, live <laughs> that I don't, um, I really don't need to, I don't need to impress I don't need to make anything slicker packaged. What most people want when they share an experience or they come into my restaurant or they show up to a show or they've, I mean, they want it to feel real. They don't want it to be slick. Any record I've made that I've thought too hard about or brought in a string section that I worked too hard on, it almost took away from what resonated. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you're in this very careful thing as a writer to try to capture it in its most real, relatable way without overthinking it. What I'm trying to learn as a person is how to let go of overthink, um, lean into what feels the most real, and do that in daily exchanges in doing that, you know, with creation of food, um, just because you can add some ridiculous ingredient that makes everyone thinks you know a lot about food doesn't mean that you you know couldn't have just made it really great by poaching a solid egg you know right 
Um, yeah. All of that sort of carries through to me in, in an almost just release of, you know, execute well, execute honest, be you and be truthful the best way that you can hone your skill very well, but not to a point that you need to impress others, but for yourself to be able to say, am I doing what I'm doing that I know I can do the best that I can and let everything else just fall away. Heard so many different critiques through the years, and some of them were right, and some of them were just wanting me to sound like somebody else or be like somebody else, or and I've just let it all go. <laughs> just let it all go. It's a beautiful thing. The yeah. the lightness of it all, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I I think we all still get caught up in that from time to time. A lot of people live with with that weight on them. If we could only just simplify a little bit more every day, I think there's the key. You know, um, so I end my episodes with asking the same question. So far, most of the people have been queer identified. So I would ask, you know, what would you tell your baby queer self that you something that have knowing what you know now, what would it be? So I'll ask you as not a queer identified person, but as an ally and as a creative who from our last, you know, little while of conversation I've learned is constantly striving to be the most authentic and the most true to you. What's something that you would tell yourself now from knowing what you know and living through what you have lived your younger self? What would you say to younger Emily that might make it a little easier, better, simpler? My mom used to have that illegitimate known carborundum Latin sign, which is on her desk. What was it? Illegitimi non carborundum. It was a uh, don't let the bastards get you down in Latin. Nice. <laughs> I think that I wish I could have actually listened to that. Just don't, just don't, but you can't. I mean, it's impossible, but I wish I would have known how many people got under my skin, how many people I let in there that didn't deserve mm-hmm. to be there. I mean, I could be alone in a room with 20 people in my head in there. And that was all on me, letting them in, letting them control my thoughts, letting them influence my music, letting them do all that. And then I, and then I couldn't even be a good ally to anybody because I'm too busy beating myself up. You know, I think that it would have been better just to follow the advice on her desk and (laughs) (laughs) not let, not let them in because the second that you stop, letting them in, you really can give to yourself and then you really can give to others. I wish I would have not done that the first 27 years, but at least I got there. (laughs) Yeah. At least you got there. It's like, it's like the idea that you need to live through it enough times to know that you don't need it to live. Yeah. I love that. Don't let the bastards get you down. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably what it would have been because what a waste, what a waste time we do that to ourselves emily 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 thank you so much for your time and for sharing your stories with us today if you're listening and you'd like to hear more of emily's original work you can head to her website emilyherd.com she's got an album coming out in january of 2022 called horse had a gun and of course if you're ever in the rockford illinois region please stop by the Norwegian Emily's Restaurant. It's an inclusive space in our community where all are welcome. She hopes that you stop by for a cup of coffee, a meal, or a drink, and stay for the live music. We're going to be playing you out today with one of Emily's originals that we referred to earlier in the episode. It's Daytime Fireflies. This show was created by yours truly, Liv Lombardi. That's me and Courtney Ortel and co-produced by Virago Artist Management with additional support from Hannah Varnum. Music by yours truly once again, Liv Lombardi. As always, thank you for your ears and your hearts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review and share with your friends. Until then, be kind to yourself and gentle. I hope you have a good week and we'll see you next time. I've got honey on my mind And a knife upon my tongue And a sweetness in my soul Too big to speak it I've a woman on my face And a heart that is too young And just carefully enough Not to let you 
see it There ain't no stars in city lights There ain't no daytime fireflies I am who I am tonight Waiting just behind my pride Till you tell me not to hide I've got roses in my blood And a thorn upon my hands And so I keep them pocketed For your protection Cause I've got a will of stone And a courage made of glass But if I used it it would be on your affections There ain't no stars in city lights There ain't no daytime fireflies But I am who I am tonight Keeping watch like I know Till it's safer to come out I got summer in my bones And winter in my eyes And a trusty cloud That never lets the light through But if I ever let it show Maybe you would realize That I want you so much that I try not to like you There ain't no stars in city light There ain't no daytime fireflies I am who I am tonight Holding back each time you're here Till the coast is finally clear And there ain't no stars in city light There ain't no daytime fire